Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In his series, Healing is Yours, Pastor Scott shares his message, God Wants You Well. This will be part one. God wants you well. Amen. You know, I taught this series a year ago right here in this church. But because many of us are fighting physical battles and standing for the manifestation of healing in our bodies, I really feel impressed to go on the offensive, if you will, and teach it again. And probably in one form or another, it needs to be taught again and again and again until we see the signs, wonders and miracles that the Bible says will follow. Amen. You know, in the wake of COVID-19 and all the havoc it created, either through the virus itself or through the spirit of fear that has been loosed on the earth, people of faith have begun to doubt God's word when it comes to healing. And that needs to change. No virus should knock us off kilter the way COVID-19 did the majority of the church. It's inexcusable if you know the word of God. Amen? If you know that God wants you well. Now, I've been preaching and teaching on healing for over 30 years, and I teach various aspects of it. But this message, God wants you well, resonates more with people than any other message I teach and preach. Because if they can ever get it figured out that God really does want me well, it is key to receiving from God. Because if you haven't made up your mind whether it's God's will for you to be healed or not, you will always struggle. You won't be able to stand. You'll be driven with the wind and tossed, James says. So when it comes to divine healing, here's the fundamental question that all of us must answer. Does God want us well? Is it always God's will to heal Or is it not? Now, I know this sounds basic to many of you, but I've found in over 30 years of teaching healing that sometimes the ones who've been taught the most still haven't settled it in their hearts and minds personally. You can always come up with some kind of scenario in your mind why God is making you the lone exception. You know? Well, God heals everybody else, but, you know, I haven't read my Bible as much as I should have. I haven't prayed as much as I should have. I haven't walked in love. I've just been ornery and hateful and not fun to be around, you know, as if that disqualifies what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. Well, we got to settle it in our hearts. We got to know that we know that we know that we're not the lone exception. We're included with everybody else. When God says, I want my people well, that includes you. Amen? Hallelujah. So, Hosea 4.6, pretty familiar uh, scripture, but it kind of paints a good picture for us concerning the number one reason I believe people don't have it settled in their heart because they don't have the knowledge of God or the wisdom of God on the matter. So, let's read Hosea 4.6, New King James. The prophet says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you from being priest for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. 
If you read the context of this passage, you find out that God was prophesying through Hosea and he was holding the priest or the preachers of that day responsible for not teaching the people the written word of God. And because they were not taught the written word of God, Hosea says they were being destroyed. This was true in Hosea's day, and unfortunately, this is true in our day, especially when it comes to the subject of divine healing. People are not being healed in many of our churches today because they're not being taught that they can be. The churches that are doing a really good job of telling people they need to be getting born again, they're getting people born again. We should use the same logic when we want people healed. We should preach on healing. It is God's will. He wants you well. Jesus died to pay the price for you. Amen. If we did more of that, we'd see more people healed in church. But because it's not being taught, it's hit or miss a lot of times. But the fundamentals of this matter have not changed a bit. I like the way Jesus put it in John six sixty three. I don't have a slide for you, but Jesus said, My words are spirit. And they are life. So that says to me that knowledge of God's word brings the very life of God with it. Amen. But lack of knowledge of God's word brings destruction. Amen. Psalm 119 verse 92 and 93. This is David's magnificent psalm, which is all about the word of God. David says, if your law had not been my delight. I would have perished in my affliction. In other words, it was necessary for the word to become known to him to avoid perishing. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Amen? It reminds me of Deuteronomy 32, verse 47. And also verse 46, Moses is preaching to the people of Israel before they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And he said, don't take this word that I'm preaching to you as a vain thing. It is not an inconsequential thing. It is not a lightweight thing. My paraphrase for it is your life. That's how serious it is. We need to know what God's word says, and we need to take everything that belongs to us and receive it and stand up and say, enough is enough. You're not stealing from me anymore. I know what God says about my healing. So how did Jesus address divine healing in his earthly life and ministry? It's a key question, and the answer to that question will tell us a lot. But before we go there, You have to understand three things that were true about Jesus during the time that he was on the earth. I want you to put your thinking cap on here. Number one, Jesus was the living word of God. Number two, Jesus and the Father were one. And number three, Jesus was the will of God expressed on planet earth. I'm going to say those again. Number one, Jesus was the living word of God. Number two, Jesus and the Father were one. And number three, Jesus was the will of God expressed on planet earth. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to explore these concepts and then we're going to circle back and examine the life and ministry of Jesus in particular, his healing ministry. So let's start with number one. Jesus was the living word of God. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So this person called the word evidently preexisted with God throughout eternity as the word before he became flesh. Amen. And that word was God. So when the word became flesh, you know, God became Jesus, so to speak. It says that in verse 14, it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus was more than just the written word of God. He was an expression of the living word of God because he was the word. And as you'll find out later, he was the word that created the whole universe. So you might want to pay attention to what he said. Amen. Psalm 107.20 says, King James, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I submit to you that this has a dual meaning. He sent his written word, he sent his living word, and delivered us out of all of our destructions. Some translations say he delivered us from our early graves. Amen to that. No one should die an untimely death. God does not will that. Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 3, New King James. This is so packed full of revelation. I pray that I can get some points out that you'll remember. Number one, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. There it is again. If he made the worlds, you might want to listen to what he has to say. Listen, this says to me, these first two verses say to me, because the prophets could only give a limited picture of what God was like, in the fullness of time, God sent the maker of the world to the world to be a statement of what God was really like. Isn't that awesome? You haven't understood completely from the prophets, but I'm going to show you what I'm like by sending you me in the flesh so you can see me, touch me, hear me, watch me. Amen. Verse 3 says about Jesus, this is God talking about Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. He's saying that Jesus, when he came in the flesh on planet earth, was the express image of God the Father. Some translations say the perfect imprint. Others say the exact duplicate. So you looked at Jesus, you were looking at God. And I personally believe, I don't have chapter and verse on this, I think he physically resembles God the Father, who is a spirit. But even his physical, natural body has features that match the Father. I believe that because he is his son. So if you want to see what God is really like, 
recapping this concept here. All you have to do is look at Jesus and the statement that he made with his life and ministry when he was on the earth. You don't need, you don't need to look any further. Number two, Jesus and the Father were one. John 10.30, King James. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. We walk alike, we talk alike, we look alike. Amen? We are one. John 14, 8 through 10, little background. He's having a discussion here with his disciples about he and the Father and their unity and how they work together, even when he was on the earth. He says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. In other words, just show us the Father. We'll be happy. We'll be satisfied. But we're looking at you right now. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So the words and the works that flowed out of Jesus when he was on the earth came forth from the Father who dwelt on the inside of him. Amen? Because Jesus and the Father were one. Number three, Jesus was the will of God expressed on planet earth. I like to think about it like this. Jesus was the will of God turned loose on planet earth. Amen. Glory to God. John 5, 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Amen? You want to see the will of God in action? Watch what I'm doing on planet earth. And that's the will of God. John 5.30. This is all Jesus speaking. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Amen. I know this is going to get monotonous, but it needs to because we've got to drive home a point here. John 6.38, New King James. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 8.29, New King James. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. I'm always doing his will. I am his will. Amen. Can you imagine such a statement to the people of his day? I always do the will of God perfectly. I never miss it. I never make a mistake. None of us can say that. There's only one person who can say that, and that's Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me recover from that. Jesus. With all these scriptures in mind, Jesus was the perfect expression of the will of God in action. The will of God, as I said, turned loose on planet Earth. So summarizing, circling back and 
and summarize, and we can say from our study of the Scriptures thus far that in his earthly life and ministry, Jesus was the living Word of God. Number two, Jesus and the Father were one in everything they said and did. Number three, Jesus was the will of God expressed on planet Earth. So if we want to know God's will or attitude about anything, we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, and it always perfectly reflects the will of God the Father in heaven. And if you want to refine it a bit, and you want to know God's will or attitude towards sickness and disease and what he would do about it if he was on the earth, well, let me tell you, he was on the earth. Jesus was God in the flesh. So we need look no further than the healing ministry of Jesus. Now, we're going to cover a lot of scriptures, a lot of scriptures, but they're short and repetitive, and you're going to go, okay, I'm getting it, I'm getting it. I'm about to bludgeon you with the word of God here. <laughs> Let's talk about the healing ministry of Jesus, realizing when we do, we're analyzing it and looking for the will of God in action. Amen? Acts 10.38, Luke says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How about that? Jesus went about doing good and healing those that were sick, and the Bible says if you're sick or have sickness and disease, it's an oppression of the devil, meaning the devil was the root of it way back when. Amen? You know, uh, John 5, 12, I can't remember the scripture, but basically it says uh, when um, sin came in, sickness and disease and death came in on his heels. And who was responsible for sin? Satan. All right, threw myself off there. All right, there's also some very, very deep theological points here that you can learn in Acts 10.38. Let me read it to you again. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Here it is for you. Deep. God good, devil bad. I know it's deep, but we can all get it. Matthew 4, 23 and 24. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Verse 24 says, Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Matthew 8 1 through 3, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. <laughs> then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, this is the only guy in the Bible. There's another gospel account of this, but this is the only guy in the Bible, whoever directly questioned the will of God concerning healing, and Jesus said, I am willing. In other words, it is my will. I think that's what the King James says, I will be thou clean. Amen. 
So he settled that question right there. We could take that one verse and say, that's it. Matter is settled. It is God's will. If he was going to turn away anybody, he would have turned away this guy that asked him the question. Nowhere in the Bible can you find where Jesus said, I'm sorry, I can't heal you because God is using this sickness to bring glory to him and to teach you something. You will not find that anywhere in the pages of your Bible. It's not in there. It's imagined in there, but it's not in there. Matthew 8, 5 and uh, 7, 5 through 7. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, let me think about it. I'll be unclean if I come into your home. I might have to pray a minute about this. No, he said immediately, I will come and heal him. No hesitation, no question. Matthew eight sixteen and 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Amen. There is your scriptural reason for believing that Jesus paid the price for your healing. Amen. And I personally believe that Jesus, he needs to get what he paid for. If he paid for it all, he needs to get it all. Amen. Matthew nine thirty five. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Another thing you see in these passages here is that sickness and disease dealing with it were an integral part of Jesus' gospel ministry. It was part of the gospel. I remember hearing on the radio in Corpus Christi, Texas, I was driving around and I was really into healing back then. I was studying Gloria Copeland's notes on healing, and I was really getting it down in my heart. And this guy says on the radio, he's a preacher. He says, you know, I don't preach on healing or any of that kind of stuff. I just preach the gospel. And, of course, I hollered at the radio, as I was wont to do in those days, and I said, you can't separate the two. It's a gospel of power. It's a gospel of compassion. But there are people that believe that, that it's extra gospel. No, it is the heart of the gospel. Matthew 12, 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Even the ones he wasn't planning on healing that followed him, you know, when he wanted to go get some rest or go be with the Father, you know. Uh, there's very few times where you see Jesus not receiving people that needed help. Now, you can point to some times where they put him on the boat after he'd been ministering for days and he needed some rest, you know, and that's just common sense. You know, even Jesus couldn't do what he did without natural rest. But by and large, there's no one in the Bible that ever came to Jesus that he turned away for healing. Never can you find it. It's not in there. Hallelujah. All right. So this is a blockbuster. This is the last scripture. We've actually gotten to the last scripture. Luke 4, verse 40 through 42. Now, we're going to read it through one time, and I'm probably going to kibitz along the way and, and, and make some comments because I just can't handle it. i got to say something. It says here in verse 40, when the sun was setting, 
Remember that. Nighttime's coming. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Remember that too. Every one of them. Verse 41 says, And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now when it was day, I need you to remember that too. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. Amen. Amen. So if you look at this, when the sun was setting in verse 40, and then verse 42, when it was day, and he laid hands on all of them, there were quite literally probably hundreds of people that Jesus laid hands on. And he spent the entire night and made sure that everyone that needed a touch from the Lord received from the Lord. When the sun was setting and when the sun was rising, in fact, one, another gospel account says he got up a little bit before day. So early wee hours of the morning, he got up to go pray. But the rest of the night, all through the night, he had spent praying for sick people. What a statement made by Jesus concerning his will and by extension, the will of the Father God concerning divine healing. What a powerful statement. He didn't say it with his mouth. He said it with his actions. Amen. Jesus stayed up all night and laid hands on every single person who needed a touch from God. Don't tell me God doesn't want you well because the Bible says he does. Don't tell me it's not God's will for all to be healed because the Bible says that it is. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed Pastor Scott's message, God Wants You Well. If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for Coffee and Fellowship and 10.30 for Worship and Service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Pastor Scott's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.